Hey everyone, the Property Manager Mastermind Conference 2022 is going on at the Red Rock Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. Go to pmmcon.com to learn more and sign up. Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Need a repair at 2 a.m.? Easy does it. Easy Repair coordinates maintenance and nothing else and takes after-hour maintenance calls for property managers, working with your property management software so you can see exactly what Easy is doing without leaving your own software. From Las Vegas, Nevada, our full-time maintenance coordinators will dispatch your work orders directly with your vendors. Give us a call at 800-488-6032. Or visit our website, EasyRepairHotlineLLC.com. If you are looking to enhance your tenant's movement experience, cut down on phone calls or emails to you or your staff regarding utilities, then you must connect yourself, your team, and your tenants with Citizen Home Solutions. Citizen Home Solutions takes the hassle of utilities off your hands and your tenants. Best of all, we do it for free. Build us into your tenant benefit package. Oh, and start benefiting from our revenue share program. Yes, we pay you a quarterly commission on specific services your tenant opts into. Want to know more? Give us a call today at 877-528-3824 or visit pmcpartner.com. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I have the esteemed Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. And we got lots to talk about today because there's so much going on with them. We're going to touch on a cool thing, a couple of cool things going on. One is we want to talk more about remote team members because these two are the arguable experts on that. And we now have some of the, the newest exit people. They have just potentially exited most of it, not all of it, but they did make a really big decision and decided to sell their main management company. They still own a management company, but they decided to sell one of their main ones. So there's lots to talk about and those two things. Now, before we get into it, I wanted to introduce them. I want to give them a few minutes to talk about who they are, what they do, and then let's dive right into the remote team member stuff because that's really their specialty. I got lots of fun stuff to talk on that because uh, we've been using and working with Jeremy and Gwen for five plus years, working with remote team members, and some of the numbers that have changed for us are just jaw-dropping. And we're going to go through that and how it all works. So without further ado, Jeremy and Gwen, how are you doing today? Really good. Great. Thanks for having us. Um, I'll start off because my introduction is always really easy. My name is Jeremy Aspen. I am her husband. <laughs> so <laughs> That's sweet. how that goes. So um, Jeremy and I, so we run Anaquim, um, which helps property management companies with the remote professionals, as we call them, or remote team members as they're known, or vet virtual assistants, depending on who you are. And uh, we also do some back office services like bookkeeping. We have a call center for rent manager clients. Um, but Jeremy's the CFO of our company and I'm the CEO. So we really do run it in tandem. And uh, we have our own podcast called Bootstrappers um, for property managers. And, and yeah, so we're super excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Brad. And some of our best yeah. episodes have been with Brad on it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I have a face for radio. So let's, uh, I want to tell some history here because how we all met was kind of interesting. 
uh, I've sat down with you guys at a NARPM broker owner conference in Las Vegas. It was a lunchtime thing, or maybe it was a morning breakfast thing. I just pulled up and said, Hey, what's going on with you guys? So it's a model to the networking idea of, you know, get out of your little comfort zone, go sit next to somebody you may not know and just strike up a conversation. Next thing I know, we're talking about remote team members and kind of how you guys had a really good line on working with remote team members in Mexico, because Jeremy, interestingly enough, uh, you got to tell the story about the white boy from Midwest, Nebraska, speaks fluent Spanish. So, Jeremy, go into that for me. Wait, am I the white guy in this? <laughs> You're it. <laughs> so, well, I used to work down. Yeah, I, I lived and worked in Mexico for about five years. And uh, so, you know, we had an operation at that time. It was a logistics three, uh, a 3PL and we had an airline. And so I had employees down in Mexico, that, of course, that worked for me. I uh, moved back to the United States. I did another stint as a director of another logistics company, moved to Omaha, and um, we started this property management company. It seemed to me that I was paying a lot more for labor than I had been down in Mexico, and the VOIP phone had just come out at that point, and I sent one down to my boss's old secretary. She quit working where she was, or actually, she started working with us and started answering our phones, and then from there, you know, friends of friends, and we we kept hiring people, and it grew. Well, and I think it's important to know that our company was just a baby company when we started using remote yeah. team members, and the growth that we saw at what was called CPM Realty, and then Wistar Group, we rebranded as Wistar Group, and now it's Pure, which we'll get into later. Um, but we we were able to grow at a really fast rate because of the people that we hired in Mexico and because of what they added to our organization. Yep. And so we would not have been able to grow at that speed without them. Yeah. So and maybe that's one of the hangups that people have. They think that they're too small for remote work. There's no such thing uh, because the you know, when when are you too small to save money on labor? And, and it's not even just that, like the, the rate per hour. It's also that you, we, we can, anybody, you can source um, um, people with master's degrees, doctorate degrees or, or not, and bring them into the fold of your company. And really you save every hour, you're saving more money so that it, especially at the beginning of the company, which is what we did, that money gets to be reinvested back into the company. And it just makes it a much easier, uh, the prospects for growth much easier. Well, that all circles and ties into well together because that showed how we met. But what I didn't get to yet because uh, I wanted to hear your intro is the way that we worked together and I hired three remote, remote team members from you guys right away. We started working together right away. I saw the value of it. They're still with us today, which is awesome, five plus years later. And we've grown exponentially. So now we're running, I think we have 16 remote team members and all of them work for us and they're all remotely done in Mexico. So there's, there's kind of spread out there. Are a lot of times they're in Agua Calientes or other places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I appreciate what you guys have been able to do with us and working with us for these many, many years and helping us with the remote team members. Interestingly enough, let's switch real quick just to, a, a, I think it's a dynamic thing we should talk about, but there's so much competition now for what you guys are doing. And so you see all these different players come into the market. Uh, there's always been players in the market. They're representing different countries. They're representing different nationalities. And now we have more and more people that are doing kind of what you're doing, but you guys are the largest. And I need you to, under, I need you to help people understand that because yeah. it does show your level of experience and your commitment to what you're doing in our industry. 
Well, I think one of the major benefits that we've been able to uh, derive from our growth, so we were one of the first players, I think we were the first player in Mexico for property management. And because of our size, we're able to get uh, really uh, great benefits and sophisticated benefits for our team members um, and still maintain a price point that is reasonable for anyone. So if people are looking for more handholding on the recruitment side, they want really sophisticated benefits for maintaining their employees. And also we're able to recruit the top talent because a lot of the top talent wants to have social security. They want to be um, a legal employee in Mexico. They want, you know, healthcare, life insurance, um, other things that we offer, uh, we're doing some grocery, uh, what do you call them? Grocery oh, vouchers. vouchers. So some other things that we're able to do because of size, if people want that kind of talent that wants those benefits, we're able to find those people. So it, and so that's been able to keep our business growing and we're able to maintain great relationships with our clients and grow their teams effectively. But your, your, you know, your, your uh, viewers and listeners, what they might appreciate is, you know, we only operate in Mexico, of course, but there are instances where you might consider working with a VA uh, company down in, you know, the Southeast Pacific. And that's obviously if you don't need to be in your, um, your area code, your zip code rather, or your time, time zone. zone. Um, and if you really just need somebody to kind of pick and peck at a keyboard, you know, and, and th so there are some other um, really decent uh, approaches. It just depends on what you're looking for in having remote labor. Yeah, so I think that's important to understand that a lot of people uh, have this, they just have no conception of what the remote team members can, can do. And I try to tell them in a very succinct way, they can do anything you and I can do from anywhere in the United States, anything. anywhere in the world. That's, that's the best way of explaining it. It, it. They really can do anything. I know that we have one remote, at least, that actually is now president of a division of a, of a U.S. company. I mean, they really can do anything as long as they don't need to go to the property, right? That would be impossible to do from another country. But it, barring that, they really can do anything. You, you can get marketing, you can get, um, you can get uh, service technicians to, that kind of understand for dispatching. It's And I think one of the ways that everyone's pretty familiar with remote labor after the pandemic at this point, but now the next step of 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 elevating is really allowing your remote team members to be part of the strategic planning sessions doing some more strategic projects for your team that's really where i think we're going in this next generation of uh, virtual labor is really in embracing them as a true sophisticated leader on your team and and something to take into consideration when you're looking to hire a remote professional wherever they are I've always had better luck when you hire uh, people for careers. So when you hire somebody, um, if as long as you're not looking for somebody to just uh, the, data you can, entry, you know, data entry, get in and out of the like somebody you can retrain in 15 minutes. Okay, that's a different thing. But you can hire people in another country and just make sure you go into it understanding that this is their career, and as such, they'll just need to be treated as as uh, as if though it's their career. So that means pay, you want to add stability with some sort of benefits, um, develop them, develop them, let them develop themselves, let them operate some projects. 
um, you know, make it, make sure that they know that they have a career with your company and then do so, what it takes to make sure they, ha they have a career with your company. Let's talk about what it's like for that because a lot of folks are very concerned with that. I was very concerned with that. We don't want to treat people like we're, you know, taking advantage of them of some sort, but this is a really awesome opportunity for them. And they're very thankful to have it because the, the remote teamers that, that we work with in Mexico, you know, our hours are from eight to five roughly, and they don't have a commute which is there's a very dangerous situation in some of those places when they commute yeah. because they're leaving at six in the morning to go to work at seven. Uh, and they're there till 7 PM because they have longer work hours. Everything's more, you know, they're expected to work longer Then they have a commute home. And so they have all this, you know, opportunity for bad things that can happen in Mexico. And it's not, you know, the unsafest place in the world, but you know, car accidents and everything else. So one, the safety factor two, the pay, we pay pretty well. You guys offer, you know, a very good compensation and people need to understand that it might seem lower to our American eyes because we're, you know, we're dealing with all the, we, you know, a can of a gasoline, a gallon of gasoline is going to cost you three bucks right now. Over there, it might cost, I don't know what, 50 cents or something. I'm trying to equate to people to understand that what we pay them does not actually equate to bottom of the barrel wages. They equate to very, very good wages there because the cost of living is so much different. And so to give you a bottom line example, our turnover has been minimal. And here's another you know, jaw dropping stat. I'm gonna throw a couple things at you and then I want you to jump in. A couple jaw dropping stat, stats for us is uh, our turnover rate the last five years locally has probably been 80%. Our turnover rate internationally, meaning remote team members, has been less than 20%. They are completely flipped. Mm. Uh, two years ago, when the pandemic was really starting to kick over, uh, it, that middle of 2020, uh, late 2020, we had an organizational setup to where we had several property managers in the office. I mean, high level, 75, 80 grand property management professionals who were doing a lot. We had four or five of them. And as the pandemic started to hit, they all started to kind of falter away. Uh, a couple of them in particular were just very difficult to deal with, very diva-like. They were like the, they thought they were the Adele's of the property management world, <laughs> right? And so it was just, it was getting to be maddening. And we didn't end up let, uh, firing them. They just kind of went away on their own because we were such jerks. We made them come to the office during the pandemic. You know, if they had kids sick, okay, we'd deal with it and we'd help, we'd help them. But they were just like being very divas. One, were one was making social media posts about how difficult we were making their lives by making them come to the office. Uh, it was just like yes. sickening, okay? And I'm gonna make a point, so bear with me. So as they started to transition out on their own, we did not rehire that position. We rehired their positions in Mexico. So if it was a property manager and that high level person was making 75,000 a year, how many property managers could you hire in Mexico for 75 grand a year? So we didn't need to go that far, but let's say it's called for one for two, for fun. So we lost somebody here in the US, we hired two remote team members in Mexico. Now I'm gonna make an absolute, I'm glad you're sitting down. We compared our P&L from 2020 to 2021 a few weeks ago, and the expense savings in staffing was over a quarter million dollars. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that was the difference because of that campaign to say, okay, we're not going to rehire this position here in the States because of all the bad things that are going wrong. We're going to create a pod system of hiring folks in Mexico 
answering the phones, doing lease agreements, doing renewals, doing maintenance, customer service, owner facing customer service, you name it, they could do it from, from Mexico. We built a team, basically a big giant pod. And that has worked out significantly well for us because it tied right into our number one thing, which was provide exceptional service. If we could provide exceptional service by, hey, answer your phone and two, return emails and do what you say you're going to do, those things are going to pay much more dividends than having somebody on the ground in the local office where you are in the States to where they could physically see the property in person. Okay, that's a that's a tangent benefit, but it's not the end all be all of good service. And so anyway, that was a long explanation to get to a point of where we made a huge savings. And all of these other remote professionals, virtual assistants, what they can do is they they help a property manager in the United States be able to handle a much larger portfolio. So we at one point with Wistar Group had about 900, employee, uh, 900 properties per property manager. Now they had a team, right, that was helping them manage their portfolio, but, but you, that one manager here in the United States can go to more properties more often because they don't have to do the data entry. They don't need to do anything with reports. They don't need to answer the phone. The emails can be handled by someone else. And I just want to say like, Brad, that's a big leap. Like you had been using remote labor for five years. You said before you made this huge leap and really trusted that these people could do exceptional work at a high level. And I think people are worried that if their owners know that they're being taken care of by someone that's not in the country, that it's going to negatively impact their image. But um, I, I think the worry there is overstated because if people are getting good service, if they are, if their property is being taken care of well, they do not care where the person is who is doing that. So people only throw in uh, insults about the language or the desk, you know, where people live if the service falters. So it's, it's, it goes back to that great adage. Um, there, there's no, is, what is it? Uh, excellence is the best deterrent against any ism, sexism, racism, whatever. If they're getting great service, they don't care. And I, I, I was explaining to this, I was explaining this to a, a lender I was working with on, a, on an SBA deal. And uh, he wanted to understand our business a bit better, a bit better, a bit more. And I explained to him, okay, we have, you know, local people, we have remote team members. But you know what? We use a lot of remote team members. Here's why, why, why. And then I went into, if you call our frontline phones today, you would have spoken to someone in Mexico. He's like, whoa, really? I, right. I called somebody in last week and they answered in two rings and I couldn't tell they weren't anywhere but right there in the U.S. They, they sounded right. great. The voices were great. The technology of the voice over IP was great. I couldn't tell a single difference. But there, there you is- go. There are a couple of people every now and again these days where you, you they they push back a little bit because they have a political inclination to not like um, you know uh, sourcing labor for somewhere from some other country. But the way that I always handle that one is um, it's it's not that you know we're sourcing from some other country and that's hurting American com- companies. As a matter of fact, or the American economy, what we do as a company, Anaquim, we make American companies more efficient and more profitable. That is what our business model is designed to do. And it, it, it makes, it does do that every single day. It's, and that's a great hedge against that argument because 
we make American companies more efficient. No doubt and about it. We, we attract that pretty well too, because you guys have heard of Profit Coach with Daniel Craig. Mm -hmm. sure. And I do an a annual analysis with them. I love what they do. They do a great job. Our labor efficiency ratio has gone through the roof up in a very good direction, a positive direction the last 18 months because of this, meaning that we're getting more use out of the dollars we spend to provide the service, which is mostly labor. And so it's been a phenomenal transition for us to one, there's a the trust factor in two different ways. You mentioned it earlier, us as the business owner has to trust that these, this whole remote team member concept can work. And two, we have to trust that they're going to do a great job to win over the owners, win over the tenants and win over our vendors that we work with on a daily basis. So it goes two different directions. Well, if there's one thing that people need to know that watch your show, and I know you've gone over it before in other episodes, but that getting that D-L-E-R dialed in is the single most important thing a company can do. And Profit Coach does a very say, good job. Say what that. it is, the acronym is for people listening. Uh, the total direct labor efficiency rate, or I'm sorry, the direct labor efficiency ratio. Right. So you want to just make sure that you at least have twice the revenue for the cost of direct labor. And that's, that, that's a minimum but you have to have that in order to have a non-commoditized kind of business. And then Brad, I just want to point out here. So what you're doing is really different because you've really elevated the whole remote team member game in the last year. But what that also enforces is great management strategies. So people are always like, well, how do I manage these people who aren't in the office? Well, it really just enforces the best practices, which is don't micromanage people, micro or manage outcomes, manage KPIs, retrain where things aren't going well and have good standard operating procedures. And if you have those things uh, dialed in well, then having remote labors works really seamlessly. Would and you I can, agree? I can. I would add spot checking on that because Melanie is our, our uh, key person in our office and she does a lot of spot checking sure. because she has the time to do it. You understand? That's what I put her in that role now. Uh, she's the CEO of the company and she has the time to say, oh, I'm gonna go listen to two phone calls this morning. I'm gonna go check 10 emails here this afternoon and find out what's going on and she'll identify something. Like for example, this was done with a prior employee because she did an audit spot check. We found that we were missing, I think it was, I don't know, two or three months worth of a leasing fee that was not getting charged. End up being like eight or 10 grand that we were not charging the owners that we should have been for, you know, two, three, four month period there. And she caught that and went back and fixed it. But, you know, it's a little egg on our face because that should have been part of the process when you lease out a home, you charge the leasing fee, the owner's paid, et cetera. Well, there was a step that was broken. Right. Had she not had the time to investigate that, she would not have caught that. She was working on the company, not in the company. But that's, that, that's what worked. And that is best practices though. I mean, we have a quality control uh, branch of our business that's always looking at those things, always reviewing processes. And processes, it's just like a closet. Like you organize your closet, it looks beautiful. And then a year later, it's super messy and you have to go in and reorganize. So I think there's always that element of quality control that every well-run business needs to have where you're always checking on procedures and making sure people are um, doing them the way that they're written down and that there aren't any loose ends or people going renegade over here doing their own thing. And so that's just part of running a good business. But at, to your point, when you have some people doing the operations who are lower cost, you can have your managers really focusing on that quality 
part and making sure your business is run effectively, which we all should be doing anyway, regardless of where your labor is. The biggest thing I want to bring up right now is the, the cultural differences are becoming more and more widened. Uh, we're starting to see with the last 18 months, two years, with this whole COVID thing, we have unemployment going through the roof where people are incentivized not to work. Uh, a lot of them have chosen that path to not work. Mm-hmm. And so it's causing employers, property managers, to have a very difficult find time to find really good people that want to work, good labor. Very heartbreaking story just the other day off the property manager mastermind Facebook group is uh, a young lady went on there and, and uh, was telling her story about how several of her key employees had just up and left for no real reason. They were being paid bonuses. They were given plenty of time off. They were made part of the company culture. Everything she talked about in her post made sense. Like she's doing the right things to keep locally based American workers happy and content and motivated to do what they're supposed to be doing. They just up and left. So now all of a sudden, her and her husband are thrown back into doing everything themselves. And so a lot of folks were mentioning, hey, it might be time to consider remote team members because as I mentioned, the turnover is 180 degree difference, Uh, especially in our experience. Yeah, and I think uh, your low turnover is a testament to your company and that probably your employees see that there's a future. Um, because we also have some clients that go through remote professionals um, pretty quickly. A small number, but yeah. Well, and what and what we I think can identify with those clients is that they're really not ready for it yet. Like they have the right idea, but they don't have KPIs. They don't have a way of managing anybody. They haven't been very good at uh, you know transitioning during this um, the the pandemic. And so really an indicator of whether or not this is going to work for you is if you you can know whether or not you're prepared for remote work um, if you have a pretty well-run company and or if you're at least of the mindset that you're going to have a well-run company. That's the big one. Instead of it just always being like reactionary, if you want to make it so it's not reactionary, that's kind of a secret ingredient to being able to ensure that your turnover is low. And I'm sure if she gets remote team members, I mean, and she has all her ducks in order, like it sounds like she has, she's going to be very successful. Just, I, I feel badly for her losing all your team at one moment. Every business owner that knows that that would be extremely stressful. Mm. Yeah, a couple of key points to remember just for anybody who's wanting to get into this and let's transition to talk about something different. But a couple of key things is understand what, you're paying your provider and what the provider's paying your employee. So you guys have that uh, in mind and you can understand where to go with it in the future. But the other part of that is, I hope I just didn't lose my train of thought, but if you're gonna hire one, hire two at the same time. And I think we did this very well, Gwen, when we worked with you guys is, you don't just hire one and dabble. We hired two because the cost to hire two was still significantly cheaper than hiring one local team member versus two remote team members. And so I think that's a good piece of advice, is especially for that young lady who was, who was discussing her situation. I would, I would say run to you guys and find a good solution and hire two folks right away and figure out exactly what to do with them. Because you know, you're thinking, well, what am I gonna do with two folks? Like I barely have enough room for one to be fully occupied. No, you'll find more. There's gonna be all, and they're gonna want more. And if your goal is to keep your clients happy, just think of all those things that you've always wanted to do to make your clients happy, and now you have the labor to do it. So go for it. Hey everybody, this is Brad Larson. I wanna talk to you about a new podcast out there that I would highly recommend 
called 300 to 3000, how to grow your property management company to scale. One of the hosts is Matthew Whitaker. He's a good friend of mine. I've visited their operation and I really truly respect what GK Houses has done and they are still doing. They are an experts at growing at a fast scale into a large scale business. So expect to hear the real world truth about all the mistakes the company has made growing into it and all the good things they're doing. Again, go to 300to3000.com, that's their website, and catch them on iTunes, Spotify, and or Stitcher. Look forward to hearing from good things from those guys. Take care. Love it. So let's transition real quick. I wanna talk about your, your recent sale. And so you guys own a management company in Omaha. I've been there, visited with it. We've had dinner together up there. Uh, you had a great organization. You had a few couple things go really bad, you know, for the last couple of years. We didn't want to get into all that. But um, at the end of the day, you decided, okay, it's time to make an exit. And you wanted to focus more on what you're doing with Aniquip. So tell me kind of how it went with the exit and tying into Pure and getting the management company going. Just just talk, talk me through that. I'm very, very intrigued. Well, so like, so where we are right now is we're picking out private jets. No, my God. Which ones we want to get, because you know, you get super rich. No. Uh, but actually, yeah, so we had, uh, we, we still have a property management company in Lincoln, but the one here in Omaha, um, I had partners in that company. And so I, it wasn't exactly fair that I had been dedicating, you know, 97% of my time at Aniquim growing this company and still uh, reaping the rewards of that profitable company. So something had to change in terms of the distribution of the profits because I just was making more than I really deserved. Um, and I think it was probably chipping away at my partner's, I don't know, their ambition a little bit, right? Because they weren't majority stakeholders. I owned the majority of the company. So something had to change. Gwen went off to a conference and she had found it was your conference, Brad, oh, your conference. Okay. <laughs> All right. It was Brad's conference. All right. And then she came back and said, you know, should we at least consider selling it to an outside company uh, as opposed to just doing an internal sale? Well, of course the answer is yes. Let's not be dumb and let's look at other offers. I think we got five offers or so five. We had, I, I was kind of like hype girl. I don't know if that's like the right term, but I kind of hyped it up. I knew who the players were in the market looking. Um, we kind of hyped up our business for maybe nine companies and then whittled it down to five that were a values match for our organization. I mean, our goal, Jeremy and I had very strong values about how we wanted to sell it and what we wanted it to look like. Number one, our business partners are like family members to us. We've raised our kids together. Uh, we've been through the ups and downs. You mentioned that we had uh, a rough go. We had a, an explosion at a property a few years back. That was absolutely horrifying, traumatic for everybody involved. And um, we really are a close team. And so our relationship and making sure we did right by our team was our number one focus. Of course, everybody wants to make money. So we wanted to do well, but we also wanted the company that we were um, going to be acquired by to, you know, put clients first and our leg, we spent 16 years of our life growing that organization, taking care of clients in a specific way. And we wanted that to may, remain. So, so anyway, as we went down, there were like five companies that met that criteria. And then it whittled down to pure, which was actually 
our favorite organization. We like their values. We like their vision. We thought that they were a good match for our team. Um, and we liked how they kind of blended both the tech aspect of property management um, with the down-home people quality. And they never lost sight that people are what make or break property management companies. So overarchingly, they were the clear winner and then came in with a good bid. So it worked on, on uh, in both ways. I kind of exited the hype girl part of the sales process and let the team members who are really going to be in the weeds with pure, they had to have buy-in on the sale. end. otherwise, a lot of the times sales can fall apart. If you don't like get your team, who's these were part owners involved at the front end. So they worked on the details of the legal aspects and the finalities, the fine points of the the pricing um, at the end. And then the deal closed with all of our owners still loving each other, everyone excited about Pure and a better deal for our team moving forward with visionaries who really were a hundred percent in instead of Jeremy and I, who were, you know, totally distracted by Anaquim and what Anaquim was doing. So Backing it was a such a win-win. Backing up a bit. I want to talk more about Okay, you decided to sell and, and package the, the whole company to get ready to sell. Did you start to work with a broker? Because how did you start to get that many good offers in? I mean, you said nine, which is significant to choose from. I'm sure local players, you know, national players. T kind of talk me through that initial marketing phase. Uh, that was just me going out there. And okay. I knew who was kind of buying. And then um, I knew some local players also. And so we just kind of, and the initial discussion wasn't about money. It, it really wasn't. It was about. Don't tell what, pure, but the, I actually had said that I was willing to give away my 53% of the no. company. I mean, if he said that in jest, but. If it would have protected the interest of, uh, you know, of our staff. But what, as we were happen. talking, talking to people, uh, we didn't want to leave our team members high and dry. So some players that we were talking with just, it just wasn't a match from the beginning. And it, it whittled down to like five. Um, but yeah, so I just hyped it up. I mean, I did my own research and we didn't use a broker at all. Although I would say if we could do it again, a broker would have been maybe a little bit easier because we ended up you putting know, I know a lot that, of time into it. I know at least one or two of the companies we weren't quite prepared yet and we didn't send them the entire, uh, all the books. And so that was unfortunate, but it happened. So maybe something like that, maybe centralized. I, probably would have considered doing it with a broker. Yeah. I mean, that's a good and bad thing. you know, we do the, we, we run the property manager broker as well. So we have a little bit of a brokerage that will work with just property management companies. And so I'm very intrigued about this because uh, everyone says they would have, or should have, or could have worked with a broker, but they don't think about that up front. Um, a lot of times too, you can also start talking about doing these blind bids. You have all these, you know, the, you get a bid system going. I'm not second guessing what you did. I'm just very curious on how it did, how it worked out because Gwen would have done what most of us would have done. We would have kind of put out some feelers to the big players that we know, the local players that would, would be big enough to dominate and take over the company locally. And so I think that was interesting. The transaction, the handling of the transaction, how did that go for you guys? Did you each have your, your own acquisition attorneys working for you? How did it go there? Yeah. So we had our own attorney that was operating, uh, working with their lawyer. And that was mostly hands-off just because we gave the lawyers uh, basic instructions and said, let's just go with this. They'd come back on a regular basis and let us know of any updates or changes that might've fallen out of the parameters that we'd originally established. Um, our lawyer bill was pretty high. 
um, because of the nature of these transactions, they can get pretty complicated. And I'll tell you, Pure has kind of a, a template sort of, a, I mean, they've got this down. So I think it went a lot easier than it otherwise would have. But we did fall outside of the normal we um, range because of our, our maintenance department is a huge part of Wistar. I mean, we had a lot of assets. We have a huge maintenance department. It's built out very in a sophisticated way. And so that felt fell outside of the realm. And so maybe our lawyer bills were a little bit larger than some other property management outfits that don't have an aggressive, if you will, um, maintenance portfolio. Makes sense. Yeah. So okay. basically you're saying that if we would have used you, we could have been picking out a bigger jet. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, Damn there's it. always a what ifs, but uh, you know, that, that is our specialty working in that realm, but I'm not trying yeah. to get to that point. I'm just trying to talk through the conversation uh, the whole transaction, because I do think it's fascinating. Uh, I do think that a lot of people want to learn from it because that's the hot topics of the day are always going to be one remote team members and two acquisitions. It seems to be, everybody wants to talk about buying or selling and nobody thinks about it happening until it happens to you. Meaning that, well, I'm not really looking at buying anybody right now. I'm just, I'm just cool with what I'm doing. And all of a sudden you're, again, you're at a buffet line or you're at a NARPA convention and someone pokes you in the shoulder and say, Hey, you know what? I'm thinking of selling next year. Are you interested? Cause I know we're in the same market and well, you're like, Whoa. Okay. And I guess it's time to get serious. It is just a, another reminder that people really should think about their exit, maybe seven years before they're wanting to exit. We should always be building our businesses to sell. Um, because if you build it to sell, I mean, you never know if you're going to get sick. Um, something bad can happen. You're in a position where you need to sell your business quickly. Um, some, giant life transition or whatever. And so I think seven years and that's best practices I've read. Um, you should have your business ready and it shouldn't be super dependent on you as the owner. I mean, you have to build it where your team is doing the majority of the work because it's more valuable if that's the case. Um, and so it's not selfish, um, for you to, you know, exit the, the business slowly, but surely because you're, um, giving people, the ability to grow their careers and you're setting your business up for success at, at your exit date. Now, do you still have any involvement in the business with pure at a higher level? Nope. No, no I don't. Um, our, no. our team members do our minority owners definitely are yeah. working with pure uh, spe specifically because we have um, a sophisticated maintenance uh, department that maybe could be replicated in other areas. And so, yes, they're, they love working with that leadership team and pure is one of those teams that really looks to, uh, the companies that it acquires for its expertise and that's going really well. Yeah. And they're largely operating the way that they were before. I mean, cause let's face it, that is what they bought and they don't want to disrupt that. I know that they have long-term plans to make some changes, you know, technology wise or whatever. Um, but right now things just keep humming the way they did before, except that like Gwen had brought up the visionary piece. Like now they're part of a larger group. They want to become, there, there's more of an opportunity maybe, maybe for more people, you know, we've got one guy that's kind of been offered a job in Colorado because he wants to go there and there's an opportunity. So, you know, that's a nice thing. It's hard. You have to backfill the position but you also make these opportunities for your employees to go live the life that they want to lead. Let's talk about the timing and the how you approached your team with this decision. So time-wise, ours took a little bit longer because of the size and because of the complexity that the maintenance piece uh, brought on. But 
you know, from uh, start to finish, I would say it probably took what? Well, our process began um, pretty much right after your conference. So was that May? So May, and then it, we finally closed with a, with pure, when was it? And the end of November the 1st, November 1st. Yeah. And that was the longest one that it had ever taken them. So they're a lot faster than that. Generally speaking, I think we threw up some hurdles and it, we slowed things down a little bit, but, uh, you know, we had, it's a larger company and it was, it was a big transaction. So they were really gracious and everything worked out, uh, worked out real nicely, actually. So let me take another a part to your question. Was oh, no, the, the timing of it was like the, how did you do that? Did you like bring everybody into a conference room oh, and say, Hey, yeah, guess what? We're out. You know, how did you do all that? Yeah. So there was, uh, actually because we've been mostly hands-off for the recent past, um, my team, uh, Doug and Emerson, they called a, gr- a company meeting and the whole company showed up and I only was able to zoom in because I was notified very late. Uh, and they notified everybody right there. They gave them some swag, uh, answered some questions and let them know about the new benefits package that they were going to be having, uh, enjoying. And, and every, I think everybody's still there at the company that no, no, yeah, I don't think anybody left yeah. due to any changes. Mm-mm. Um, and they, because we were really out of the game for the most part, which is why we really needed to move because we were maybe stale vision. And now they're getting like excited vision, like owners who are really invested in it. And so I think everybody's more excited than when we were uh, in charge, which is exactly the point. I want to steal a page from John Warlow. So he does the podcast Built to Sell. And he was a speaker at our very first property management mastermind conference. And he, he, he's the guy that writes all these different books about how to build and sell a company and stuff like that. A lot of his interviews, he talks to the folks about okay, what did you buy or what did you do after completing the sale? Did you go buy that jet you always wanted, Jeremy, or what did you end up doing? So talk us oh through Oh my gosh. That. Can I just tell you about how anticlimactic it was? Yeah. Like, uh, so this is just a testament to maybe how much Jeremy and I are um, not fun. <laughs> because we, it was like a Thursday night and he was on his phone and he's like, okay, I'm signing the final paperwork. And he signed it. And I was like, this is so exciting. And he was like, I need to go work out. And then he went and worked out. And that was like, it was literally, I think we both worked out. Yeah, it was pretty anticlimactic. Only in that we always knew it was coming. And as far as the cash, you know, I mean, uh, um, you know, you don't live off of it. You know, we're just not the type of people. We have a small house, big life kind of attitude. I didn't get a new car. I didn't, I'm in a different, I don't know. I, I, I didn't do anything with the money right now. It's sitting in a bank account and I'm letting well, it it's, into it's, the stock it, market. Yeah. We're doing the, uh, and we took dollar cost averaging. Uh, yeah. And then we took some of this money and we're investing it into the software for Anaquin. Okay. Good stuff. So nothing fun. So, yeah, I no, know. Not I'm at sorry. all. That's, that's, that's absolutely dis- disgustingly boring, but Hey, that's cool. <laughs> you know, a lot of people would say, ah, oh, I bought a, you know, bought a Lamborghini or something, you know, neat like that. Or I took a trip around the world or, yeah, something. we still have some long-term goals. Uh, you know, at some point I want to buy a, a newer, faster airplane for myself because uh, I'm, I'm a pilot, general aviation, uh, but that's nothing like a jet. So I just think that, I mean, the, I, the moral of the story to make it not sound so bad is just that we actually like our regular life. Yeah. Like we, we like the life that we've built 
with or without the sale of the company and we're happy living it. So instead of sounding super boring, I think, I think it's a story that we're actually happy with, with the day to day. It makes a lot of sense because a lot of times the entrepreneurs that John Worrell has talked with, they could be software folks. They could be just grinding 80, 90 hours a week for, you know, five, 10 years. And then all of a sudden, boom, here's nine figures thrown in your lap. Right. And then it's like, you're, you're so 180 in your lifestyle. And so a lot of people will, you know, take a trip around the world for a year or buy these great big items, but it's a testament to our industry to where you had the company basically running itself. You, know, you looked at a little bit from strategic level stuff, but you weren't in there blocking and tackling every day. And so for you to make an exit, it was not like a giant thing. It was just like, okay, it's another chapter that's ended and a new chapter is opening up. Let's go to dinner and work out, you know, that type of thing. It wasn't a, a giant deal for you guys. But, I mean, it was a good big deal, but it's not, it wasn't such a life-changing event that threw you for a loop. So kudos for you guys for building that great company and congratulations on your exit. Thanks. Well, so. thanks. And, and I just want to say one thing. We're just still purpose-driven with Aniquim. I mean, that's where our passion lies. And we love creating amazing careers and uh, developing a middle class and emerging market. And that's what gets us up every day. It, and also helping small businesses in the United States may, uh, maintain profitability. I mean, that's enough of a purpose for us that that's what drives us day to day. And no amount of money really changes the excitement that we share yeah, for that. As a matter vision. of fact, we've kind of been beating ourselves up for not traveling at all. Cause you brought that up about traveling the world and, so this year we're going to at least go to Europe um, because we have some really good friends there that we need to go visit. So I'm actually really looking forward to it because as business owners, as you and your listeners know, we don't really take the time to do that stuff. We don't. That's just the nature of the beast. You're too friggin' busy. And I think we got caught up in that routine and now we're finally going to break from it and go visit some friends. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, especially when you have young kids because your kiddos are, I think, 14 and 12, something like that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're, they're right close to my kid's age. And it's every time you think, oh, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. Like, wait a minute. We got other things going on with the kiddos. I got this going on, that going on. And that kind of does, puts the anchor on you a little bit. But imagine when they finally get them out of the house, kick them off to college, then you guys can go live the big dream. Take that yeah, plane yeah. and yeah. come see we me in San Antonio. About that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I may be doing sooner than later. Absolutely. Well, guys, appreciate you coming on today. It's been a fantastic episode. I really enjoyed our conversation, especially about Same remote here. team members. And of course, your successful exit and your acquisition with Pure. Congratulations again. Look forward to seeing you guys at the Property Manager Mastermind Conference in 2022 in May. Yes. Coming up, we're only about four or five months away. Gwen, you're going to be one of my facilitators, remember. Gwen I is know. Be, no, how could I forget? I love, I I love your conference. I, I love your small group atmosphere that you bring because you have a knowledge of what we're talking about with remote team members and, of course, the knowledge of the extreme procedures that you built in your management company, and you've come full circle now. So I think you're really bringing something to the table for the small group. Appreciate you guys coming on. Looking forward to seeing you at the Mastermind Conference. And until next time, you guys stay in touch. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Brad. Later. Hey everybody, want to make sure you know about the Property Manager Mastermind Conference here in 2022 going on at the Red Rock Resort in Las Vegas, May 16th through 18th. Go to pmmcon.com to learn more and sign up. Find Digs makes your leasing process lightning fast and 100% fraud proof straight from the applicant's phone. Find Digs not only instantly verifies income by connecting directly to bank accounts without any documents uploaded, 
but also uses 3D selfies and facial match technology to perform complete fraud-proof bank-grade identity verification, allowing property managers to process applications in under an hour. For more information, check out their website at www.findigs.com or reach out to Henson at Henson at findigs.com. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.